I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. The Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado. With me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram Ninja. Hello. We're back. We're back. I feel like it's been months since we've sat down to record. Much needed Christmas break, I think. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Weren't able to quite sneak in the last of our uh, series under the gun. Right. Darn those holidays. I think it's the Monday thing. Like the Sunday, Monday. Like whenever they fall on like Sunday, Monday. Oh, it's just, it's so hard. It makes the week really weird. Yep. Christmas is supposed to be on Wednesday so that you get that whole thing off. Exactly. You're just making it a weekend. That's no good. We are. <laughs> Anything we're saying about uh, your holidays? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watched, uh, as as per usual, I watched uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, and mm-hmm. and even despite our having recorded about it a month ago, a month earlier, that movie is so good. It's so good. Truth. Of all things, I was reminded of our conversation because uh, Kelly and I watched the game last night. Okay. Uh, have you seen this movie? No. By the director of Seven and Fight Club. Uh, it's with Kurt Douglas, and uh, it's incredible. Sure. Just an incredible movie. But it's it's secretly, uh, like, it's got Christmas Carol elements to mm, it throughout, sure. which are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um very unpredictable. Like it's if when you see it the first time, I mean, kind of similar to Seven and Fight Club. It's like, oh, this is where you're gonna land. Sure. Uh, didn't didn't really see that coming, and it's 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 great. Nice. I'll have to look that up. Well worth. Fine. It's also the case that Netflix apparently or Amazon knows what sort of movies people who are say in their late forties who who kind of have a job and maybe a little extra income, how much they'll pay to rent a movie versus <laughs> <laughs> all the movies that Kelly and I are going through, it's like we should watch the these are our top ten. Uh-huh. None of them are available on any of the streaming platforms. Right. All you of them have you gotta to buy or rent. Yeah. You gotta pay five bucks for the for the game. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of nines and ones and their foibles. We're getting into the body types, wrapping up our, uh, what? It's our brief jump into Don Riso's Enneagram transformations. I say brief because we're not doing the exhaustive. We're doing some highlights. Yeah. It's a tremendous the, book, though. The highlight reel, our, our, our favorite parts of each type. So much to say here, and I imagine that this episode may go a little longer because, of course, we're hitting nines and ones, and TJ and I may have something to say about those two types, but we're going to start with the eights. Yep, nobody's figured out our pattern yet. We talk <laughs> a lot longer on nines and ones. It may be the case, though, on a reread that the chapter on eights was my favorite. Mm, sure. I think there's, there's a lot of real 
goodness here worth uh, diving into. The chapter on fours, the chapter on eights. I think these were my favorites. Um, Rizzo calls personality type eight the leader, the powerful dominating type. As with, uh, you know, our last episodes, we're going to read down his two paragraph setup of the types. Eh, Just really enjoyable showcasing. Here's the stuff that each of the types struggle with. And then here's places that they can move forward. Mariso writes, remember that eights try to escape from their fear of being in the power or control of others by maintaining a stance of strength and toughness. They see themselves as strong and independent, although others may see them as belligerent and dictatorial. In their effort to suppress their fear and vulnerability, eights begin to see all relationships as power struggles and all intimacy as weakness. They steel themselves against depending on others and seek more power so that no one can take advantage of them. If they continue hardening themselves, they eventually lose the capacity to feel anything for others, love, trust, or pity. Eights ultimately become abusive to get their way and remain in control, causing everyone who has been abused by them to turn against them. Again, landing on like, here's the the absolute bottom for this type. Right. Yeah. Uh, Makes me think of like all, all dictators fear the people that they rule over. Is that yeah. is that the saying? Yeah, because when you when you stomp on everyone to get what you want, then eventually everyone's going to stomp back. Yeah, if you create a master slave relationship, masters are dependent on slaves. They right. posture themselves, and then if the slaves revolt, you're in trouble. Right. I also really. I like that he opens this with reminding us that it's not wanting to be in control. It's fear of having others control you. That's what jumped for me also. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. Because I mean that we, we present, we, the Enneagram community, like people who talk about eights often talk about how eights want to be in control. And that, I think that's always a byproduct. The thing that they actually want is to make sure that nobody controls them. And, and we need to remember that that's the, that is the foundation. Their fear of being in the power or control of others. And everything spins out of that mm-hmm. for him. Yeah, uh, if you don't want other people to control you, then you look at everyone else with suspicion and all relationships become a power struggle and eventually you you stop being able to to have empathy and have pity and have like understand that other people are impacted by your behavior and blah 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 like that's that's the downward spiral that begins with wanting to make sure that nobody else ever has control of you yeah i think that's the what that's a belief that can come in for eights i want to emphasize that i think some eights They will have, as we've talked about in the past, their small circle of trust, Mm -hmm. as it were. I don't know that those relationships are necessarily a power struggle, but there has been a vetting that's taken place such that now I don't need to make this relationship a power struggle, but it's just few and far between. Yeah. And it, it probably started as a power struggle, and then once they learned they could trust that person... Then the power struggle went away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, just severe vetting, mm-hmm. um, pushing, especially to find like, what's the channel? Where are you going to sit? How is this going to work? Um, it's real interesting to see my, my two children on this front that 
Now it's my five that really throws punches mm. because they don't want to get pushed around anymore. Sure. And the eight's just really comfortable with the five. Yeah. Just, uh, okay, I know who you are. I know, I know, I know how hard you can hit and I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And also understanding like the, the older sibling dynamic. Yeah. Like they're, they're just playing nothing that you could ever do where you are the boss of me. Yeah. There Period. is, there's a confidence. Yep. Uh, there that doesn't come out in this paragraph from Riso. Right. I don't think this eight is confident at all that they're describing. Right. Yeah. The, this eight is is still pushing out at, at everything in the world. Right. Yeah. There it is. Riso concludes: Eights can escape their trap by acknowledging and releasing their fear of intimacy. As they do so, they begin to drop their guard and discover that real love and friendship will not threaten them. They find that the more they trust and care for others, the more others willingly support them and help them attain their goals. By allowing others to be close to them, eights are able to create a world of cooperation and mutual fulfillment rather than one of conflict and mutual destruction. Very social here. Mm -hmm. Very relationally focused. It goes from isolation to social. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that really stands out to me in, in both of these paragraphs is the use of the word intimacy. Yep. Because I, I think there's, um, especially for eights, there's a sort of stigma around the idea of intimacy because like, like who wants all that freely frou-frou nonsense? And it's like, well, everybody, everybody wants to share part of themselves with another person. And, and there can be intimacy without there being like the weird frou-frou feel feelings. It, it's about like bearing a part of your soul and letting another person in. Right. And, and that can be like there, you and I have a tremendous amount of intimacy about some things and it doesn't have to be about everything. Mm. And I like that he uses the word intimacy, but I also think that eights reading this might like often recoil at that word because of exactly what he's talking about. Re-listen to our episode on songwriters and eights. We started with Annie Lennox, mm -hmm. and a lot of her songs end up having that very, um, you know, assertive pursuit of intimacy. Yeah. And perhaps it's the case that seeing uh, female songwriters who are eights can give you an insight into the heart of male eights who don't necessarily show that as easily. Sure. Yep, the desire, the motives there. Yep. Motive would be the same. And, and men in general, especially in our culture, are also in, encouraged not to show or have those kinds of feelings anyway. So it's mm -hmm. easy to, for eights to, male eights to just ignore that. Right. Yeah, I think especially in romantic relationships, I envision male eights unfortunately sliding into the temptation of making intimacy crass, mm. like the, the opportunities that might be there. For a little bit more, you know, tender intimacy, as it were, I think I think the temptation for as I mean, it's lust is the sin for for eights, and as I envision things that that can be a temptation for male eights, right? But just like aggression, et cetera. Yeah, just like when we talk about lust, intimacy is not all about sex. It's not all about the kinds of things that we associate with what we normally think of when we think of the word intimate. It's not necessarily yeah. about sex and it's not about physical 
intimacy. Right. I suppose on that front, it's what the virtue for the eight is uh, innocence. Pushing into that space, that, you know, pushing away from intensity of experience Mm -hmm. and pushing into the innocence, a relationship that can be a very valuable space for the eight to enter. In all relationships, not just romantic relationships, I suppose. Yep. Bang. Agreed. All right, well, we're going to go through each of these affirmations and uh, things that eights can release, things that eights can affirm. First one that stuck out to me was number two, and uh, I'll just start with this one. He, Riso encourages eights to say in their heart, I now release dehumanizing myself by violating others in any way. And especially building off of the paragraphs we read earlier, this feels like a weaponizing of fear. Mm. And I think mm-hmm. AIDS in particular might have a, a more of a temptation to weaponize their fear even than, than any of the other types. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and it, it made me think of like, in the same way that AIDS don't want to be violated, that they don't want to yeah. be d- taken advantage of, controlled in any way, like when they exert that power over other people, there's a, a there's an element of dehumanization that's happening within themselves. Right. Yep. If you can take the position of the violator, you won't be violated. Something like that. Yeah, and that's just wrong. Like it, it's right. like you're making yourself you're you're darkening your heart when yeah. you do that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Boom. Which first one? My first one is actually the first one. Uh, so going back to one, uh, I now release all anger, rage, and violence from my life. And the thing that I liked about this is that like eights are the type that are one of the types that don't really see a problem to their anger. Like they they don't see that it's not always beneficial. And eights have no problem with being angry and they like like other people to like, let's have a fight if we're going to fight. But sometimes that anger, that that the violence of of how you feel is really damaging to yourself and to others. And and one of the first steps to seeing that it like one of the first steps to resolving that in any way is recognizing that it's not always good it's not always okay to have and to express that kind of anger yeah what would it look like if i translated all of my emotions into something that wasn't anger rage and violence right allowed the emotions to be something else there's right. the feeling repressions what kind of comes out here for me because mm-hmm. same seems to me feeling repression for eights is exactly that it's i'm going to take the the large kaleidoscopic list of emotions i experience and just funnel them into one thing Mm -hmm. anger that I can control, weaponize, not even weaponize, that I can wield. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm controlling my emotions by making it something else. Right. Mm. Uh, My next one was number three. I now release being verbally or physically abusive. It was again, the case, what hit me here is that this is a defensive technique kind of as we were saying before, Mm -hmm. like some eights can come across as abusive and, you know, outsiders might read it as they're trying to, you know, have their way, dominate the situation, et cetera. But I think this is a defensive technique, as was said before. Mm-hmm. It's the, the deep fear, the deep sense of I'm vulnerable, you know, 
comes out in these ways. Yeah. Uh, the pretty sure it's a a Hagrid quote from Harry Potter, but like any dog will bite if you bait it. Mm. Like it, and and a lot of times the the way that this kind of abuse comes out from eights, it it's basically an animal backed into a corner. Mm-hmm. Like that that's how they feel. It may not be how the what the situation actually is, but part of how they feel is that they have to lash out in order to regain control. Agreed. Bang, what's your next one? Uh, I move up to number seven. I now release believing that I do not need others. And again, just on theme, no man is an island. Like we live in a society where we rely on other people and more importantly, we believe that we're made to be in community with other people, which means that we need to understand ourselves and understand how to share that with others and let other people into our lives as well as share in the lives of other people. Yeah, the thing hit me here is that twos, fives, and eights all expect rejection in relationships. Twos, fortunately, are, uh, you know, n- desire attention and so will become relational, but fives and eights. Fives and eights are going to expect rejection in a relationship, and one will withdraw, one will be independent. Right. And that's kind of the dynamic there, struggling to be part of community. Mm-hmm. It, just underlying it all is that fear, vulnerability, and the expectation that, like, other people are dangerous. Right. And sure, sometimes. But we're not saying that everyone should know the deepest part of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next one was, I now release, number five, I now release hardening my heart against suffering. I like this as an expression of feeling repression. Yeah. I'm hardening my heart against the negative. Yeah. And again, it's like translating everything into anger so that I can, I can, I can control what are those surges of feelings within. Mm-hmm. And similar, like, similar to how sevens will run away from suffering like just like like let's what why be sad let's go ride bikes eights like why be sad when i can not feel anything yeah <laughs> like like why be sad when i can just be in control of my life instead and the hardening of of the heart in that way and also like the the refusal to let suffering affect you and change you like that, that that's part of how we become better people is by by going through hard things and allowing it to change us. Yeah. If we ever get around to our heroes series, doing a opposite to the villain series, and do, when we hit the eights, I'm positive we will hit Russell Crowe's Maximus. Mm, and there's a scene, sure. and it's probably the most well known scene of that whole movie, of him standing before the emperor and throwing down his. Um, <laughs> His CV. He's 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 gonna tell you who he is. He, yeah, he's the you know commander of the Felix Legions of the North. I'm not one of those guys that has this sucker memorized. Just so you know. <laughs> but I do know that there's a culminating point where he says that he is the uh, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I'll have my vengeance in this life or the next. Yeah, it's the most powerful scene. In the movie, we're all moved by it, but it's an eight exposing, here's 
where I suffered as just all laid vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a super powerful scene because of that. Yeah. Boom. What's your next one? Uh, my next one is number 11. I have 11 also. Oh, great. Uh, so I now release my fear of losing to anyone. Allowing vulnerability. And I also think like the thing that I wrote down is life is not a zero sum game. Yeah. There you go. For a lot of eights, like it is this like kill or be killed, uh, control or be controlled. And it's like that, that's actually not, that's not how everything is. I, I'm sure it feels that way, but that's not how reality actually is. And, and insisting that you're always the victor means that everyone around you is the loser. Right. There's an illusion that you're more vulnerable than you are. And there's an illusion that, Life is a zero-sum game. Yeah. And both those are false. Yeah. And even if it were a zero-sum game, I mean, like, you can still you can still split the winnings. Right. <laughs> at some level. Yeah. I suppose there's a no man is an island. You kind of come back to that. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, if you're consistently pushing yourself into isolation by trying to dominate everything you care about, that's that's not healthy unwarranted push for control there, I suppose, as I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Eights, yes. nines, and ones are all going to be about control, and mm-hmm. this will be that. And a lot of people want to cooperate with you. And if if you're always in competition, then you never get the joy of cooperation. Yeah. Right. Notice the high side. I mean, it exposes the high side for eights that, again, the virtue is innocence for eights, and their security move is going to be moving into that two-space where they are reacting to the needs of others and lending their strength in helpful ways. Mm -hmm. It's just a better way to be in the world. Yeah. All right. My first uh, release is 16. I now release being hard-boiled and denying my need for affection. I'm not sure I like the word hard-boiled, but it gets to the point, you know, that there's a solidification. But I I do like the idea of releasing that posture where I'm saying to others, I don't need affection because yeah. eights do need affection. Yeah. And it's it like, really it's, it's lying to yourself and to others about that. Like you may not need to be touched all the time, but you need some form of affection from other people. Right. You may not need it much. You may be fine living in a cabin in the woods, but eventually you're going to want to have the companionship of someone else and to have someone else say, hey, you're pretty cool. Yep. Bang, what's your next one? Uh, I, I will step back to number 13. I now release nope. attempting to control everything in my life. Yep, let's do it. You just can't. That's it. You can't control everything. Suck it up. <laughs> Like that, that's just like, you, you can't, you can't control everything. And your, your, your attempt to is hurting you and it's hurting the people around you. There's other language that's in this chapter that's popping in my, in my heart here, but eights can in some measure control themselves by saying, I can't control everything. And that's actually a healthy move. 
you can't control everything out there. Yep. But you need to turn your control inward at some level. Yeah. And get and shore up your own emotions and reactions and posture towards the world. How are you going to interpret everything else? Right. Right. Well, and one of my I've mentioned this before. One of my favorite lessons in therapy was. Like you can't control other people and how they react to things. You can only control how you react to things. Mm-hmm. And that is a way of exerting your own control over whatever situation is like, I, I can't control how this person responds to the things that I'm giving them, but I can control how I react to their response. Yeah. Something about going into relationships with that posture. I can control myself. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, it's it's. A, I think it's a Buddha quote that's like he overcomes himself, overcomes the world. Kind of, yeah. Heart set, mindset, um, valuable here. I got another affirmation. It's uh, eighteen. I now affirm that I'm big-hearted and let others share the glory. I want to insert the idea of big-heartedness as a target and real virtue for eights. There's an idea of magnanimity here, uh, big-heartedness, big-soulness. This this strikes me always as like eights at their healthiest, Mm -hmm. just exuding their power, as it were, not in self-protectiveness or in domination, but like exuding their power in ways that really shore up, elevate, um, infuse with life everything around them with, again, with that, just that sense of, and eights bring something to the world in this way that others just don't. It's not a joy. It's it's a big heartedness. It's like mm-hmm. we're gonna like the lustfulness for, of life at its yeah. best comes yeah. out. Yeah, that's kind of, it. It's a it's a bigness for enjoyment that encompasses other people as well. Mm. Yeah. And like yep. in that same idea, like letting others share the glory. There's it's really easy for eights to look upon their kingdom and say, look what I've accomplished. It's yeah. like, well, okay, you, you did accomplish that, but also you had, you know, engineers and builders and army men. And like there, there are sure. people around you that do a significant amount to make sure that you are sitting where you're at. Not to keep coming back to it, but another, like, if you watch the beginning of Gladiator, the it's, again, Maximus kind of has that posture of, like, mm-hmm. he's, like, walking down the line, physically connecting with individual soldiers where they're at. Yeah. And igno- knowing what they bring to the table. Yep. And, but yet, it, you know, um, infusing value into that person. Right. And under, you know, that that's a just high level. Yeah. Whereas a lot uh, on the opposite side, there's there's eights who from postures on high can just just piss on everybody, as it were, and right, you know, showcase the brokenness of their hearts. Yep. Bang. What's your next one? Uh, so my one affirmation is uh, number twenty four. Mm-hmm. I now affirm that there is an authority greater than me. Lots of folks that get very religious who are eights mm-hmm. get like go push all in, yeah, in this way. I, yep. you know, both for good and for bad. But what you right. see here, yeah. Um, I mean, it in the grand scheme of things, we are not the boss of much at all. 
mm-hmm. us us lowly human beings for we live for what 70 to 80 years in a timeline that has been going for billions of years trillions of years and we're a blip on we're we're dust on a dust speck on a on a marble in the corner of the biggest mansion on top of the like we're just we're so small in the grand scheme of things and to believe that there is not something it doesn't have to be god it doesn't have to be like i'm I'm not pitching like bow down and worship the lord or anything like that's not what this is but like we are so small in the grand scheme of things that to believe that we are in any way masters of our own destiny or the world around us is foolish. Yep. And eights have this usually unconscious belief that they can order the world around them the way that they think it should be. And it's often the case that other people have good ideas too, that the things that they want to do aren't, they aren't actually in control of all aspects of that, that, the things that they want to reorder are in fact other human beings with choices and wills and ability to, to make different decisions and choosing to recognize and regularly affirm that I'm not actually the boss of much at all is probably a really good thing to do for someone who values control. Yep. It seems to me some of the strongest people when they, you know, when they acknowledge that the universe can snuff you out easily, yeah. it can hiccup and you're gone. Yep. When you acknowledge that you live in that space, you actually become quite strong. Right. Um, there is a there is a rule that you know, the more you embrace your own weakness, the stronger you become. Right. That's here. My last one is twenty two. I now affirm that I can be gentle without being afraid. One. That's a great line. Mm-hmm. Um, Two, it, it really does kind of push into a similar kind of uh, paradox there, but I can be gentle without being afraid is a very open-handed way of being in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a very healthy meditation. Yeah. Yeah, growing up in the church, I experienced a lot of discussion about the word meekness. Yep. And I think there's a... There's a lot to be said, especially in our culture, especially right now in the weird like resurgence of the Wild West that like it it's okay to not be the strongest person in the room. Right. And that doesn't mean that you're weak. Yeah. Like no. it, yeah. You can be gentle and also be very strong and capable. It goes actually to the the previous you know proverb that you cited, in that there's an authority bigger than you. Mm-hmm. This is Jesus' whole point in the Beatitudes: the meek right. are going to inherit the earth because the living God is going to rip out of the hands of dead, powerful people, yep. no longer powerful, they're dead. They're yep. gonna, it's going to rip the world out of their hands and give it to the meek. Right? Didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. Boom. Peacemakers. Type nines. All right, put on uh, put on your supportive 
cup there, TJ. We're going, we're jumping into the <laughs> type nines, the peacemakers, the easygoing phlegmatic type in Riso's language. Remember that nines try to escape their fear of separation by creating an environment that will nurture them. They see themselves as undemanding, uncomplicated people, although others may feel that they are complacent and neglectful. Nines believe that everything should always be peaceful and harmonious. They begin to create problems, however, because they refuse to look at anything that contradicts their idealized worldview, hoping for the best while ignoring difficulties until others are forced to solve them. Eventually, others become frustrated and angry with them, causing nines to retreat into a psychic inner sanctum where nothing can touch or hurt them. They eventually turn their backs on reality and drift into a state of apathy and helplessness. Again, kind of starting with medium and descending quickly. What do you see there? I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> <laughs> now, um, yeah, he opens with the uh, th- this like creating an environment that will nurture them. I love that because like like we want to surround ourselves with. I, I identify with all nines and like surrounding myself with a with an environment in which I can be harmonious is like that's that's heaven right there. Um, yeah, and and just like figuring out ways to maintain that harmony. Like obviously things at my job are gonna be different, but I still want it to be harmonious. I want things to flow and and move easily and and that, yeah, well, while seeking that, it means that I, we nines ignore the things that are hard. We move away from things that we need to engage with because we don't want to face the difficulties there, because we don't want to fight, because we don't want to, to experience the discord Language for me that hit most was retreating into a psychic inner sanctum, and there's a there. We'll we'll talk more with uh, Joey Shuey about this in the future. But there's the processing center for nines comes up here, mm-hmm. and that nines are going to process through thinking. And it's not just how do I understand the world that's chaotic and filled with conflict, but it's I can escape the world by going mental. Yeah. And and part of what nines are good at is seeing both sides. And part of mm-hmm. what we're bad at is seeing both sides. Like it, it's this weird double-edged sword. Like that inner sanctum allows the space for nines to examine the scenario that's giving them trouble and see all the different sides of it and understand it and say, okay, that person isn't being a jerk that needs to be confronted. They're just having a bad day or right. like whatever. Like there's there's a lot of mental justification that can happen in that inner sanctum to make the conflict go away. But it's not actually addressing the conflict. It's just retreating and justifying it in our brains. Fair. Yeah, if you... If you pick a side, then that's inviting conflict, yeah? Right, exactly. Um, taking taking the position of seeing all sides is itself a position, and yet... Hey, hey, well, the hey. Con- I'm not on sides here. I'm just the, the referee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Riso concludes, nines can escape their trap by acknowledging and releasing their idealizations of the world and others. As they do so, nines see their loved ones more objectively and realize that others' lives are not inherently more important than their own. 
This frees nines to see their own value and gives them the energy to become actively engaged with life. By investing in their own development and participating fully in their world, nines find the contentment they have always sought. Similar to eight there, where if you die to your fear and the thing you're trying to avoid, then it actually opens you up to what you actually want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But opposite from eights in the sense that like instead of separating myself from other people by keeping everyone at arm's length, like part of this is is to sort of go the opposite direction. Stop letting my own person disappear under other people and and recognize it like, oh, I actually have to stand up and be strong sometimes. Right. Just as a commentator on Riso's work here, he is pushing real hard into the internal experiences of nines and not as much the external. And because he does that, he's overemphasizing the language of the idealists. Mm -hmm. He uses the word ideals twice and he uses frustrated once. And nines in going inward will pick up some of that oneness right. there as well of the, of I want things to be controlled in a certain way, a specific mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And he's, I think Riso sees that a little stronger than, you know, the nines external radar. Right. And, and there's also a sense of like the, the person standing in the middle of the bar fight saying, why can't we all just get along? That person is an idealist. <laughs> some of those guys just need to be kicked out of the bar. Like they're they're just not gonna get along, and that's the reality. So sometimes you just need to kick somebody out of the bar. Yeah, I kicked somebody out of TJ's shop once. <laughs> once, it's happened a couple just of once. times, right? I, I think it was just once. One distinct one. <laughs> Thank God I wasn't there. Oh man. Um. All right. Transformations for nines. Uh, mine's, I start with the first one and it seems subtle. It seems obvious. The eight one was also kind of subtle and obvious, but mm-hmm. I think it, it, it is a place to start. I now release not taking an active interest in my own life. A lot of times Riso starts with something very dark and sinister and mm-hmm. like, Ugh, that's ugly. I think most people would read this and go, yeah, okay. I mean, is that, that's you at your worst? But yeah, because we're nines are only taking at best, we're taking a passive interest in our life. Yeah, we're letting life happen to us. And that is how we like it. And that's just not like you're you're going nowhere with that. The lazy river is a circle. It's it's going nowhere. We'll see this with some of the other affirmations, but fours, fives, and nines all struggle with meaninglessness, See, mm-hmm. interpreting things as lacking significance, and here it is for the nines. Yep. And that, ju- that strikes me as a great starting point. If you're doing hard work as a nine, this is a great place to start. Yeah. All right, what's your first one? My first one is number three. Uh, I now release... Feeling that there is nothing I can do to improve my life. And the reality is there's stuff that only you can do. (laughs) There's a bunch of stuff that it's literally you are the only one who can do these things to improve your life. Again, pushing against meaninglessness there. Like if, if you believe that your life can't be improved, 
that's a stagnating belief for sure. Yeah, yeah. You're you're gonna you're eventually gonna become part of the furniture at that point. Right. And unfortunately, there's many nines who would like to become part of the furniture. Oh man, that sounds just <laughs> lovely. Like if it wasn't for the fact that they were a, a vicious pirate crew, like the 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 Davy Jones image of in pirates and uh-huh. the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, uh-huh. where they're like literally part of the ship, part of the ship, part of the crew, oh, part sure. of the ship, part of yeah, the crew. Yeah. That that image is just like. If they weren't vicious pirates being run by a lunatic squid man, oh man, that sounds like the life. All of that is a reaction, is it not, to not wanting to engage yep. places that it's not just conflict, but might be painful and yep. might require something of you. Discordance uh, requires work and energy that I don't have, and I just don't want to. But if something has meaning, then it's worth it, and yep. you move. Yep. Bang. My number next one was number five. Uh, I now release refusing to see my own aggressions. I thought that one was cutting, uh, as I envision my. So, uh, dear listener, I, le- I read this entire section with my beloved mother in in mind because I didn't want to have a conversation with TJ where I was just like, "Oh, and by the way, be <laughs> considered number eight. But the not being able to notice my mom not being able to notice her own you know aggressive tendencies, how they came out in family situations, very common. Mm-hmm. I think the kind of a blind spot. Um, because of course, nines are here to make everything calm, peaceful, everything will be okay, and we move forward. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's not how the rest of us experience nines sometimes. Yep. Yeah, Especially in cor- close quarters. And, and like, I remember when we were first starting to get into Enneagram and, and common language and stuff and, like, learn, there, there's so much about nines being passive-aggressive out there. And so, like, like, that is a thing that it, you say that to me and it feels foreign. Like, it, like I recognize that when it's out there, but I don't feel like I ever do that and I realize over time that that's almost all that I do. Mm. I just couch it in sarcasm. Right. And like, I, I need to learn to recognize the ways that I am passive aggressive, the ways that I am sort of aggressing myself out in the world. And like, it, it feels to me like I'm mumbling under my breath, but what it's, feels like to other people, especially when I think about having employees who hear the ways that I'm passive aggressive, it's, it's can be really damaging. And especially if I can't see it. Right. The opposite side of this is nines can be incredible at confrontation when they, when they buck up, get their energy focused and articulate Mm -hmm. some hard truths can be great at this. We don't want to fight. We want to get to the point. And that's that would be the opposite side of the coin. Right. Bang, what's your next one? Uh, I move up to number nine. I now release neglecting myself and my own legitimate needs. Neglecting myself has been a big part of our vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. With nines. Be- because it is very easy for us to be self-forgetting in ways that... Um, 
like enjoying comforts instead of doing the things that we need to do to take care of ourselves, eating a whole package of Oreos instead of only two or three because it's really comfortable. The like the couch potato-ness, the like the not sticking up for myself, the not valuing myself enough to uh, fight for the things that I care about. Like though all of that is sort of like it's all part. Like we need to care for ourselves. And as we grow, as we as we become more aware, we recognize that we're putting the energy that we have is putting into maintaining stasis for ourselves and keeping the other people at peace so they don't infringe on us. But the reality is like you're important enough to have needs and yeah. to, to fulfill those needs. Way I hear this is is twofold, and this is going to be for three sixes and nines. The inward and the outward need to be addressed. Last ten years of my mom's life were really miserable for her because she neglected her physical body, mm-hmm. and that energy I think that may have been there to do work on her own physical self was turned elsewhere, yep. and that wasn't a good that wasn't a good investment, right? And then, yeah, as you were saying, like there's the internal, like, yeah, elevating your own internal needs are legitimate and matter. It's a both and. Yep. There. Uh, Taking a step back, one that stuck out to me was eight. Now release all wishful thinking and giving up too soon. Hadn't paired these together, but that's a great image of the coping style (laughs) and the temptation. It's like. Okay, I problem solve through positive spin, but if that doesn't work, it clearly, you know, nothing would have worked, and so I, I'm just gonna become part of the furniture. Yep. There's a there's a scene in uh, a, a movie called Forgetting Sarah Marshall. If you haven't seen it, it's it's a comedy about a breakup, and a guy goes to does an un, impromptu trip to a fancy resort in Hawaii in order to get over his breakup, and it turns out that his X is there with her new boyfriend. <laughs> um, and at some point he goes and he meets a character for uh, surfing lessons and it's Paul Rudd and Paul mm-hmm. Rudd is playing this hilarious burnout, like just awful, awful cultural appropriation person. Uh, and, and one of the lines that he says is I say, when life gives you lemons, say, lemons and bail (laughs) and like it's like it's that kind of idea it's like whenever like going into things with a really sort of positive attitude and then the second that it gets hard just bail right that's really really easy to do i just i'm not gonna face this so i'm just gonna go take a nap and that is a it, it again all of this ties together it's another way of neglecting yourself and your own needs it's yeah it's just an unhealthy approach to life yeah the pot i haven't thought about that but that's exactly right the positive spin is a tool for neglecting your own mm-hmm. needs when it's yeah. misemployed yeah well said bang what's your next one uh i move up to number 12 i now release mm-hmm. losing myself in comforting habits and routines that never happens. The amount of time that I have lost because I went on autopilot in a in a comforting kind of situation is 
astounding. Like if I were, if it was possible for me to sit down and actually tally it, it would, it would be the type of number that should embarrass. It wouldn't actually embarrass me, but it should. Like that. Like the the amount of time I have spent in my life completely forgetting everything around me because I fall into some type of routine is is sickening. <laughs> Difference between intentionally resting and doing things that are restorative mm-hmm. and, as you were saying, falling into yep. a routine. I find this with like w- ways that we crash after work is kind of what goes through my mind is like it's seven o'clock. I could, I could do something for the last two hours that might have some, some worth to it, but often mm-hmm. just transition into, you know, mindless activities of video games or, right, you right. know, watching things that I won't remember in a week. Yeah. And, and because like, the, since we're talking about the video game example, like because of the self forgetting and because of the habitual patterns and because of the way that like video games is a really good way for me to check out. I had right. an incredibly difficult holiday season and I spent a lot of times playing a lot of time playing video games because I needed a space where I could go and not dwell on the things that that I was going through. And that like that was a really good place for me to go, but I sit down at seven o'clock and I need to check out for a couple of hours and then it's two in the morning and I'm still playing in video games and I maybe right. haven't gotten up at all in all of that time. And I didn't realize that the last five hours had gone by. And now it's a really big problem. <laughs> this is why you need a nap all the time. You're staying right? up till 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> I blame the video games. <laughs> thing about video games is it's a world you can control in some sense as well. Yeah. Like, I can't make things better out here. But I can but here. I, I can get a bag of gold and save the princess and you know take over that guy's castle. And there's always more to do. <laughs> there's always more to do. Funny. Uh, last releases for me uh, end up focusing on merging. It's 15 and 16, and they I've, I'm going to pair them together because they both just have this merging element. I now right. release going along with others to keep the peace. I now release living through others and not developing myself. And both those. As, as we were talking about dehumanization and dehumanizing activities for eights, and that feels... Nines need to know that merging can be a very dehumanizing way of being in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Because you lose yourself. You lose yourself. And like, uh, I, I wrote down 15 as well because like thinking of the, the great line from Hamilton, it, if, if you stand for nothing, what will you fall for? Like mm-hmm. if, if you aren't willing, if you always side with other people in order to keep the peace, then what is important? What is valuable to you? Nothing. You'll always just pick the easiest path and your life will have no meaning. Right. Yeah, circling back to the meaning. If you if you if you embrace things that here's the significant thing that I'm willing here's the hill I'm willing to die on. That really, you know, you're probably not going to die. It will make you alive though. Right? Cuz it'll say this is what you're willing to get up in the morning. Yep. And really put your best self into boom what's your next one uh so 15 was my last one uh, but i or my last for the uh releases but i did want to make a a quick special mention on number 14 Mm -hmm. 
uh, because it, it's so with all of these, it was really hard for me to pick some because like so many of these are about me and I want to pick good ones that are about nines mm-hmm. <laughs> and like number 14 was a, a special mention for me because like I now release all inattentiveness and forgetfulness. And this isn't a good release for me because the issue is not about letting this part of me go. The issue is about stepping into a place where I develop habits so I'm not that anymore. Right. Like I, the, the problem for me as a nine is, is actually about developing ways that I am less forgetful. Because it's not just something that you let go. Like, like I, just starting to pay attention to your life is not going to get rid of the inherent inattentiveness. Mm. I read lazy thinking here, mm-hmm. which it is like, a again, the processing center for nines is going to be their head. But here right. it's like the, the sloth has overcome even that element of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you're going to have to do work to redevelop those aspects yeah yeah that's you being centered like like you're uh, you're stepping out of your center at that point actually if you're not able to engage your head then you may actually move into some six space mm-hmm. and that's gonna be a, an unhealthy stress move at that point yep and everything breaks and it's all going badly right. and we're all gonna die <laughs> <laughs> Is that paired with forgetfulness and inattention? I assume it's the case because you have it. Well, do you have an answer to that? I, don't know I, I think it's like a little bit of a cart and a horse situation because yeah. the, the, the in, inattentiveness and forgetfulness causes problems, which makes you want to avoid the problems by being inattentive and forgetful and by going asleep, which makes you inattentive and forgetful, which makes problems, which et cetera. Right. So true. Yeah. Right. Uh, my next is 17. It's an affirmation. I know I affirm that I'm confident, strong and independent. I don't think this is a reach for three. I think it's a invitation into three space as a, as a meditation. Mm-hmm. If you can, if you can use, tools at three to remind yourself of your capacity that can be very valuable and i actually like the word independent here i hadn't thought about if you move into three space you know a, a, a word that tj and i have adopted for aggressive types recently has been independent and mm-hmm. I, I like that as a as a mantra i i am independent is right. using a tool right so thoughts yeah i um i really like this as a starting point too like, like you, you can still be on the couch with your packet of Oreos and work on this thing because it will help you get up off the couch. Correct. It's also kind of that it's the opposite of six move as well. The three is doing a lot of work for the, for that inner triangle mm-hmm. on this front. Threes need help also, but, but that confidence and strength, something to grab hold of. Yep. Yep. For three sixes and nines. Yep. What's your next one? Uh, my one big affirmation is number 23. I now affirm that I am excited about my future. And I like this because, like, thinking about myself, excitement is not something that I carry or exhibit very much because 
like I want the world to be harmonious and I want to like float through it on a like on as though I were on a lazy river and like you don't get excited in a lazy river because the point is to be lazy and caring about myself starting to be active and engaged and and doing work on myself and on the things around me that need work done uh setting goals having a having a plan for the importance of where my life is going and the kind of impact I can have on the world like all of these things help lead toward being excited about what's coming, being excited about what you can do, being excited about the fact that you are alive and, and the future is full of possibilities. And learning to embrace excitement about what's coming as opposed to sort of like open indifference, like whatever happens will happen. Like that, that sounds like a better way to live to me. Right. It's going to push into three space in my mind. Nines don't have an anchor in the future. Mm-hmm. You can get grab hold of it, though, with your security move. Right. It's also the case, the word that pops for me here is my future. It's not our future. Yep. A lot of the language for eights was our and us yes. in relational. Yes. Most of the language Riso has for nines here is very personal. Yep. Nines like, disappear I'm, into the crowd. Yeah. Being able to identify yourself as valuable and worthy of attention that's coming out in the way that he's articulating the mantras. Yep. Mm. My, my next one goes along with that same reflection. It's number 20. I now affirm that I am proud of myself and my abilities. It's an inward focus. It's a shoring up a value. It's, you know, it's, there's a can do itiveness of this, uh, yeah, all of it. All of this feels like shore up your insides so that you can execute later. But you gotta do dinner work first. Yeah, yeah. You, when we all when we go along with other people just to get along, when we abdicate decisions to the others in our lives, and and sort of just like float along the lazy river, we forget that we're actually really good at swimming, or we're we're capable of of flips off the diving like we we forget about the things that we individually can do and what what value we bring to the world that is separate from the people around us and yeah all right moving the ones wrapping it all up with the reformer is what riso calls the ones the rational idealistic type Riso writes, remember that ones try to escape from their fear of being condemned by striving to be perfect. They see themselves as fair, reasonable, and objective, although others may see them as rigid, dogmatic, and overly critical. Ones believe if they discipline themselves sufficiently, they can avoid making mistakes. Being human, however, they do make mistakes, obliging them to struggle even harder to organize and improve everything in their lives. If they see that others do not share their idealism, Ones increasingly become unable to control their anger about having to do everything themselves. If ones continue pushing themselves towards perfection, the repressed part of their psyches explode, leaving them enraged and irrational. What you see? Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot in here that's that's so much about um, like control for the ones is about the self and and about making sure that that things are in order and 
and, and that yourself is in order and that if part of your role is to improve the lives of other people, then you better be doing that and you better be doing it well and there better be results because that's the whole point of the work anyway. And, and it's always a focus on the work that needs to be done. And, and there's, there's, there's this, like when that is the focus, there's this steady decline into becoming a work robot that like, there's no room for fun until we've earned it kind of lifestyle. And yeah, we could talk about processing center there. It's going to shift from thinking for the nines to action mm-hmm. for the ones. Yeah. That's a big part of this in terms of Riso talking about ones, we've discussed this at length, but he says if they see that others do not share their idealism, you'll notice relational connection is coming into being through these ideals. The ideals are doing the work. The ideals are about achieving something because that's how ones are going to process. Right. And notice that it's like that others have to join in on the vision that the particular one has yeah not necessarily a different vision or something like it's the you've got to align with the way i see things yep by the energy in relationships ones are going to be generating a a lot of the energy for connection as Mm -hmm. in terms of like where they're where, where the relationship is actually going right and that it is in fact going that it must be going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So ones, fours, and sevens all pull in relationships. And very much here, it's a very physical way for ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did really connect with the idea that ones believe that if they discipline themselves sufficiently, that was a setup for everything else. But I love that as I think that's a great window into what ones actually believe. It's yeah. a, as we, we talked about this with nines, that Risa is really o- emphasizing the inner focus. That is exclusively where ones are at. Right. You know, that their energy is inward. Let me transform my inner being, my inner self, my, my body, and all the things that make up me. And if I get that knuckled down and right, everything else will take care of itself. Right. And he uses the word perfect twice. And longtime listeners will know that I despise this word. <laughs> Not an ideal word, dare we say. It's well, the second one <laughs> is in quotations. So he's at least uh, he's at least acknowledging the issues. See, he knows that I know that he knows that I know that he knows <laughs> that this needs to have scare quotes. Second paragraph. <laughs> Ones can escape their trap by acknowledging and releasing their unrealistic expectations of themselves and others. They begin to understand that the standards by which they judge the world are not absolute truths. As ones recognize the subjective quality of many of their positions, they begin to respect the beliefs and values of others. Without the constraints of perfectionism, their vision opens to a reality more mysterious and more perfect than they could ever have conceived. Uh, One thing I skipped in that first paragraph was the anger that materializes in ones when others don't keep up with the ideals and standards that the mm-hmm. ones impose on mm-hmm. themselves in the world. And much of the second paragraph is about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lightening, there's a, um, a lessening of severity. There's a, 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 an enjoyment that, that comes when ones are able to, you know, embrace the mess a little bit 
almost like like learning to ignore the mess helps you be more alive and more present. Yeah, slippery slope for if one comes to the world and what the way you feel good in the world is if you have control over yourself and you impose and you create that control with a set of ideals that strike you as good, beautiful, worthy, live into those things. And, but then those ideals, they fashion themselves on elements of the world all around you. Mm -hmm. I want to transform everything now. I started with myself and now it's moving outward. Yeah. Those can become destructive to relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, and it's so one it's, thing to, to hold yourself to certain standards. It's another thing to start to hold other people to the standards that you invented in your own mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a, a common uh, <laughs> what meme that's going around recently is freedom of religion means that you get to yep. say that this list of X, Y, and Z sins are bad. Yep. Freedom of religion does not mean you get to say your list of X, Y, and Z sins apply to me. (laughs) Something of that sort. Yes. Yes. Makes me laugh. The thing that's going through my head here. So I've, as some longtime listeners know, I've spent like two years on a, on a big project in which I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fashioning a building and setting it in a space such that it can be, uh, and I've been working to make this building a business. Mm -hmm. All the final details are going to get taken care of by somebody else. Yep. And my judgments, my aesthetic judgments in particular, don't necessarily line up with this uh, with this other person. <laughs> and being very like like intentionally loose, it's the unfortunate thing is I can't just say, "Oh yeah, that's your job. I'm going to go over here." Uh-huh. I also need to 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 to, to praise their work, to celebrate yep. their work, to mm-hmm. to encourage their work. And living in that space is incredibly difficult for me. Yeah. No comment. <laughs> let's jump into these uh first one that i wanted to talk about was number two i now release my fear of losing control and being irrational um it's a good image of internal the internal desire to control oneself Mm -hmm. but it's paired with repressed thinking yep ones know that they sometimes their head doesn't doesn't grab hold of the things that they want Mm-hmm. to grab hold of, and that means you're out of control because you can't get your thinking fixed. Yeah, and and any kind of outburst from that, like any kind of expression of that irrationality is that much more inappropriate. Right. Like it just yep. compounds the problem because now it's not just that your mind is irrational, but also other people are seeing your irrationality and now you're infecting everything around you with your corruption. Yep. Clearly flawed and spilling out chaos. And right. It's not what you want to be in the world. Right. Fear of losing control. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's one of those hazards here. It's like it will move you off. You'll start grip. Ones can grip too tightly. Mm-hmm. You'll know, live white knuckling life. And a lot of you know Riso's setup is essentially of this sort. It's like just just loosen up mm-hmm. a little bit. Yep. You're gonna feel more comfortable, and your relationships are gonna go better. Yep. Yeah. All right. Which first? My first one is number five. I now release rationalizing my own behavior. 
wants King to be very defensive. And and not just defensive, but even um, to themselves, but also to others in the ways that they need to make sure that that they are above board, that that they have that it is clear that they have thought through all aspects of the things and yeah. that that they are approaching the any given scenario in a way that is is just and fair and appropriate and all of the things and like there's there's a level of making sure that each piece that I do that I that I bring to the world is has gone through the filtering process has been like approved by the the board of trustees or whatever like that in and of itself presents a way of behaving inappropriately sometimes. Yep. Like like you and I have talked about this and like this is not this is definitely not exclusive to you but but like the there's there's a sense of like you need to make sure that other people know why you're oversharing when you overshare things that nobody cares about. Right. And and there's there's some of that that's like, well, okay, you don't have to rationalize why you're doing this. Like nobody else cares, A, and B, like so long as you're you're following your own thing, that's really all that matters. And and there is a sense of overanalyzing because of the lack of of productive thinking, the the overanalyzing and the the overdoing of the quote unquote appropriateness of right. my behavior can can lead to it being inappropriate. Yep. It's again it's an awkward way of being in the world. That flows out of me when I don't want to be I don't want to be judged mm-hmm. by others. And so I'm preemptively judging in categories that aren't going to hurt as bad. I realize right. that I've done x y and z rationalize it. Right. The way I read number 5 is the person who's really toxic as a one who is explaining way very vicious behavior. Yeah. So there might also be a, a principle. Here's a principle at hand. We should execute all 80-year-olds because they're going to die anyway. We should use all the funds we were going to use for 80-year-olds and pour them in to people who are 15, 20, 30 years old and really elevate this, the living conditions of those who are younger. It's a better use of resources. And you can see how that would be demonic to go down that road. But principle-wise, I can explain away very vicious behavior right. with this clean, elegant principle. Yep. That's I how mean, I've read that. The church has been doing that for thousands of years. The, and, uh, the, uh, primarily by, I mean, who is it that is explaining away bad behavior based on these ethereal principles? You know, I can right. see a lot of ones being in those positions. Right. All right, well, my next one is number six. I now release obsessing about things I cannot change. Actually, this goes alongside five, that there, there's, an, there's an undercurrent of past thinking in both five and six, mm-hmm. rationalizing my own behavior, obsessing about things I can't change. Both of those mean that the one is entering some four space and, sure. and getting stuck in some of those places in not a healthy way. Um, if I obsess about, so for me, if I obsess about things I can't change, that means I'm stuck in the past judging my own behavior. Mm. I think that's productive 
because as was said earlier, like there's this idea of believing that I can discipline myself sufficiently to make sure. everything right. Yeah. So I just need to do the work to, to improve myself. And the way I'm going to improve myself is by focusing on this, these failures from the past. They give me motivation, you know, but really what this is, is oftentimes just some, some unproductive thinking, self-abuse, and it can, you know, it can really just be kind of a quagmire. Sometimes you just can't yeah. get out of it in a healthy way unless you, again, kind of open your hands, release all that. Yeah. There's Grab a lot to be them. said. Yeah. There's a lot to be said about learning from mistakes, but it's an entirely other thing to obsess about how you could have done something better. Right. Especially when you didn't actually do it that badly in the first place. Yeah, the overly critical, hypersensitive side of ones can come out here as well. Yeah. To, especially to your own flaws. Yeah. And that's not a good place to be. Over, uh, and just to put special note, oversensitivity is, is a fixation. It's a negative way of thinking for ones. Mm -hmm. So that needs to get paired with you know, what are, where are the good elements that you bring into the world? Where are the places that you've done well by others? Because for most ones, there's there actually is a long list of places that you should affirm. You're not so terrible. You're not so great. You're, you're a human being. Yeah. Bang, what's your next one? Uh, I jump up to number 11 next. I now mm -hmm. release ignoring my own emotional and physical distress. And I, yeah, I see this as <laughs> instead of viewing these things as something that needs to be corrected, it may be the case that these are warning signs. It's not that it's a black spot that you can't get rid of. It's that it's pointing at something that needs to be addressed or has mm -hmm. been repressed or it it is so easy for ones to see not vulnerabilities, but to see like complications in their failing human bodies as like evidence that they are failing at life. And mm -hmm. really it's that they're still alive. That's the thing that's going wrong because our bodies are the sacks full of meat that are rotting over time. <laughs> And they just, like, they go badly. That's how it works. Um, and and e even a lot of the, the, th the ways that, like, ones respond to their feelings and they, they might think about their feelings later. They don't have a clear grasp on understanding their feelings. And so a lot of times the fact of the feeling is something that needs to be controlled and sometimes those feelings are telling you to run or to do something that is good and valuable. And it's, it's not a bad thing to have them. And it, it seems, for, for so many ones, it seems so inappropriate to ever express feelings, so they work hard to control their feelings. And sometimes it's actually okay to cry in public because that makes us see you as a person instead of a robot. Yeah, the I don't I don't resonate with the physical distress side of things because I'm clearly 
wonderfully and gloriously made. That's 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 just where I live. Peak <laughs> physical specimen. <laughs> that's right. You no, definitely the, didn't run away from <laughs> the fact that you're over forty and six two. Are you six two? I'm six. I'm six two and a half. Six two and a half. <laughs> Gotta get that. Which means that your knee knees are just like you're, right. you're on borrowed time, friend. I've, I've been told that I need a knee replacement. <laughs> Ignoring my own physical distress, I'm very aware of my physical distress. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as maybe I don't know what releasing that necessarily looks like. I do get the idea of emotional distress. I think that's at least cut more cutting for me in terms of if I was a better person, then when this other guy injured me, I should have been able to take that way better. Because mm, right. I did the work ahead of time mm-hmm. to take the blows of buffoons and navigate yeah. life idealistically, just above the clouds, floating above it all. You know that really shouldn't bug me. And the the thing with ones on this front is death by a million, you know, by a thousand paper cuts is a legit thing. I think for ones mm-hmm. on this front, yeah, um, unable to really verbalize that the small cuts really did some damage. Yeah. Yep. Um, or even conceiving of big cuts as something superficial. Yeah. Or and, or something that, like, I promise I'm not picking on you. Like, that this isn't <laughs> specifically about you. It, you just happen to fall into this category as well. But, like, like, ones who look at their past experiences and say, oh, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, my parents divorced when I was really young, but I got over that because that was 30 years ago. It's like, no, you didn't get over it. It will, it is and will affect you for the rest of your life. And, and recognizing that you have feelings about that, that there is a place where that is a, is a wound. It's, it doesn't make you, it doesn't make you corrupt or deficient. It, it makes you human. I think the idea of recognizing you have feelings about that, that's the move. Mm-hmm. There is a resistance to the present, as we've talked about quite a few times, that one's experience, I think on this front, like you're experiencing the world coming at you emotionally, you know, in, in a wave. And for me, the move is to do some Aikido and, you know, and just kind of sideswipe it, push, push that emotion somewhere else. Sure. It's not a seven move. Like I'm not denying it. It's more that like, I feel it as a physical thing and I'm like, okay, we're going to move this elsewhere. And one way that I can do that is by going internal and saying, well, of course I've done the work to become a better person. I'm a better, stronger person and, you know, can overcome such trivialities where in reality it's my my thinking repression is here. I was like, you don't understand that this person hurt you and you don't understand how to deal with being hurt. And sometimes people actually intentionally hurt you and, and like there's even an active element there. Right, right. All that I think is for me is wrapped up in that phrase. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. It's not really helful in terms of <laughs> I release my emotional distress. So I have... Uh, no, don't ir- ignore release your distress. Release ignoring your dis- That's what it is. distress. Release releasing your distress. Yeah. There. Skipping skipping the important punch. <laughs> uh my ne- next one was number 16. I think this is something that has was so instrumental to me 
many years ago when I first read the book, and so that's why I bring it up. But number 16 says, I now release feeling that it's up to me to fix everything. Uh, ones can be the loneliest number, as has been said. The idea that you and you alone are the one to do all the work is a, is a hard place for ones to be because this, again, being in the present moment is so severe for ones that they see the thing that needs to get fixed. They're the ones with the energy to do it. And releasing that can be incredibly difficult. What's hard is for me on this front is when I rely on people who are unreliable. Mm -hmm. And then, and it reinforces a belief that, Oh, this is all my fault. I I hired unreliable people. I leaned on unreliable people. Right. Getting to a spot where, I don't, know, I don't know necessarily what that looks like, but it's a, perhaps it's a loosening up again of things that go unfixed are going to go unfixed, and maybe you should be okay with that. Right, right. Yeah, the, um, a lot of my thoughts about that pair nicely with my next, my next one, which is actually 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, I now release automatically focusing on what is wrong with things. And I think there's a... The, the idea that ones have to fix everything can sometimes be a self propelling notion because like if if you are the only one who sees what's wrong and nobody else is joining you to fix it then you are the only one who's going to fix it but part of why you're the only one who fixes who's going to fix it is because you're the only one who cares that it's broken in the first place right and and part of that like like it's good and important to remember to focus on the things that aren't broken that don't need to be fixed um, to like focusing only on what's wrong and what needs to be fixed means that you will always only be focused on what's wrong and what needs to be fixed. And, and that is an, an incredibly isolating place because not everyone else sees what you see. Yeah. Mantra again for thinking repressed types is what's yours to do. Yep. There are things for you, the one to fix. Absolutely. Not everything. Yep. And there are some things that are broken that need to be fixed that's not yours to fix. Yeah, right. And there are some things that are mistakes from your past that it does absolutely nothing for you to weave this into part of how you understand yourself now because it was something that you couldn't have controlled then and you still can't control now. Sure. Yeah. Some, uh, what, some stuff is unfixable. Well, uh, and not necessarily unfixable, but like, like you brought, you mentioned the, like, uh, I hired unreliable people. Therefore I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you didn't know that when you hired them. And, and dwelling on that issue isn't going to fix the issue that needs to be fixed. I think that does get to the, here's the, the healthy move on that front is naming your mistakes, letting them go, yeah. and, yeah, and not beating your up, yourself up for them too much because you'll get stuck there. Yeah. But focusing on the thing that's wrong, you hired unreliable people, now keeps you in that place. Right. I don't think this person's necessarily a healthy person or an ideal to follow, but I, I do think Steve Jobs is a one. And I do think that if Steve Jobs thinks, the one thing for me to do is to make a, a computer that's highly engaging 
beautiful. It's a piece of art. And I really just want to put my best energy into it. And I'm going to focus, I'm going to hyper-focus on things that are wrong with it. There, there is a place for that in terms of creating things that are amazing. Sure. NASA scientists have to focus yep. at insane levels on what might go wrong. Yep. Otherwise, they're going to get some people killed. Yep. Um, we have seen recent <laughs> bolts falling off of airplanes recently. <laughs> I, want, I want more ones doing auto or uh, airline mechanics. Yeah. But you can't, you can't take that posture towards everything in your life. Right. Yeah, I, I want someone who's that focused to detail being in charge of designing and inspecting the aircraft that I'm going to fly on. But I don't need that kind of a, uh, attention to detail from the person who's shoveling my sidewalk because okay. in an hour and a half, it's going to be melted anyway. And like, it's just not that big of a deal. It's kind of a sweet spot that like, like you can imagine the chef that's a one or a barista who's a one and mm-hmm. like if, and you really have a, uh, they are serving the rest of us so well at such a high level. It's just a delight. Yeah. However, like allow that energy to focus and then turn it off in other spaces. So you can also imagine the chef is the one who's just a terror for the rest of the, you know, chefs in the kitchen Yep. Mm-hmm. because of their, aggressive angry idealism yeah and and then a restaurant moves in across the street that's completely different Mm -hmm. than how the one chef's restaurant is and it's also really good but for totally different reasons and it's run by somebody who doesn't like to wear shoes in the kitchen like that like let's just start there like we don't have to name anything else the one would have a huge problem with a chef who doesn't want to wear shoes like that. If but they, they get can still to make the same good end. food and it's different yeah. every time, it doesn't, it, it's, it may not be your value, but it is still good. And other people still like it. Sure. Yeah. 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 No, there's, yeah, there's, I'm trying to, I'm trying to spin this as a positive for the one that mm-hmm. like, being very intentional about where you unleash your superpower yep. really matters. Yep. But you do have a superpower here. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but yeah, there's more than way, one way to make great barbecue. Yep. That's true. TJ would be the first person to, to condemn as a chef with, without shoes. <laughs> I mean, it's just so dumb. What a dumb, <laughs> dumb, dumb, but also that, that, I have a laissez-faire kind of opinion about that. When you lose a toe, <laughs> I tried to warn you. It's gross. Uh, <laughs> my first affirmation is that I can allow myself to relax and enjoy life. This affirmation ends up being, again, a move into security. It's inviting your security tools into your present space. Um, I, I really like this in Riso's posture of saying, okay, what can you grab hold of from your security number that isn't necessarily a reach? It's just a belief. It's a mantra. It's something that can wash over you. You can allow yourself to relax and enjoy life is something sevens find quite easily. Yeah. And it's something that's very healthy for ones to embrace. Yeah. Boom. Uh, My first affirmation is the next one, number 18. I now affirm that the best I can do is good enough. And I think that, like, this is an important thing that is 
probably going to be a huge struggle for a lot of ones to sort of like come to a place where they live with this inside of them because like sometimes your best may not be perfect, but it doesn't need to be improved because it is good enough. And sometimes your best is good enough because you did your best and it doesn't matter if it's meaningful to someone else. It can just be meaningful to you. Yeah, yeah. There's an image of light switches here in my mind. Like there's sometimes you just got to turn turn the lights off. You got to hit the switch. I don't know how else to say that. There's sometimes to just name, it got to 80% of what I wanted mm-hmm. and and that's what, what I got. Yeah. I have found, this has been my experience with the two buildings that I've worked on for the past seven years is there's a handful of things I put all of my, it's again, present focus. I put all my energy into this thing over and over and over and over again. You had to say, okay, it's done. The art is done. And I moved to the next thing. And it takes about a month for me to forget the the thing, the, the last 20%. Sure, yeah. So yeah. presently I'm wrestling with this with some signs. I've worked uh-huh. on, a, on a set of signs for a year. They did not come out the way I wanted them to. I'm really hopeful that <laughs> in a month I could say I, I put my best energy into that. It came out not the way I wanted to. but Because yeah. literally no one else notices. You're the only one that can see the vision that you had for it. And all the rest of us are like, that looks great. I'm not sure that's a motivator for me. <laughs> Why do I care what other people think? Fair, fair. Uh, yeah. It's feeling comfortable in my body and feeling comfortable in the world. And in a month, I might feel comfortable in that space without thinking yeah. that could have been done better. I suppose sure. that's how I come to it. Yeah. Well, I also think there. There's a certain amount of external focus going on with ones that like sometimes like there there are some aspects of their lives that that they need someone else to say, "Yes, you did a great job here." Like you that this thing worked. Like they they need to know that the work that they did actually has the impact they were going for or else it was a, a wasted effort. Yeah. And be, because of that external focus, because of, of needing to know that other people, like needing some type of outside force to to justify the internal black and white kind of decision-making. Like that, like we have this conversation about our podcast a lot that like I, I want to make a good thing and I don't care about the numbers at all. And the it's a good thing that Jeff does care about the numbers because I don't and I will never <laughs> I I will never strive for like growth and, and all of that stuff because I don't care. But there's also an element of like it can be really detrimental to Jeff and to me and to potentially all of you if all we're caring about is making sure that we're, we're meeting certain metrics of who follows this podcast. Sure. My mind goes more in terms of the edits as opposed to the numbers. Like there's edits that I sweat over mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. So there was an episode from last year. I seriously listened to it at least 20 times mm-hmm. trying to get an understanding of how we were going to navigate it and polish it and all the rest and just haven't thought about it once in the last month, you know, right. But at the time it was just, anyway. sure. Yep. Um, 
I got two more. 23 stands out to me. I now affirm that I'm gentle and forgiving of myself. This again is, this is a high side four tool, mm-hmm. I think. And again, there's a past focus. When you're forgiving, you have to get into the past. It's a relational way of being in the world because you're forgiving yourself and you have a relationship with your self. Um, there's something that you grab at four space that we've talked about in the past that fours can see with equanimity that all people are flawed and all people are amazing and they can hold those in balance and see, mm-hmm. say this is true. And when you apply that to yourself, I can forgive myself for my own flaws because all of us are flawed. It, it comes across with more authenticity. It's not just I forgive myself. It's that you know there's almost an allowance to forgive yourself right? because you are human and being human is itself beautiful even with all your flaws. Right, right. And uh, in a most similar way to how eights need to learn and embrace to be more gentle to the world outside and, and nines need to wake up to themselves, Eight ones need to learn how to be gentle to themselves and, and treat themselves as someone who they respect and care about and and view as like like it's really easy to hold people to a certain standard and get really frustrated when they can't meet that standard but if your standard is too high for people to meet then you're kind of just being a dick and when you hold yourself to a standard that's too high you probably aren't going to be gentle with yourself when you fail yeah. And in the same way that like like treating kids like crap when they behave like kids, we've learned that this isn't a valuable way to raise children. There is an element of, of learning how to care about yourself enough to treat yourself with some kindness. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Any other ones for you? Yeah, I want to jump back to number 20. I now affirm that I can make mistakes without condemning myself and that's that's the same thing yeah we uh, haven't really talked about it here but we talked about it with eights that fear can you know fear and what you avoid can really influence how you just come to the world and mm-hmm. ones that are able to to loosen up allow for mistakes and the rest or can often shine out as very healthy people because yeah. we just have that gear of white knuckling life and that yeah it's counterproductive and- and like m- mistakes are not a black mark on your record. Mistakes are, are not a thing that are, is going to infect you and, and make the rest of your life worse. Mistakes, I think it's the latter because they are a black mark on your record. That's what a mistake is. But oftentimes <laughs> they're not. Oftentimes it's something that literally no one will ever know about. It's on your record. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> By no, the way, there is no record. <laughs> That's actually what it is. It's, it's yeah. that you're putting way too much value in, in this quote-unquote record. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I hope that everyone who grew up hearing things like this is going to go on your permanent record had a very significant awakening where they learned that there is no permanent record. The, the also, amount of things that I did wrong in school that went on to tarnish my future is zero. 
because there's no such thing as a permanent record. <laughs> Somebody trying to control you. Yes. No, the the image of yeah, there's there's a, a freedom of holding some things much more loosely. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm not exactly sure what to do on this front with like ones that I know who have like seriously morally screwed up and done great yeah. damage. Yeah, sure. I really wish you would have thought about this as a mistake before mm-hmm. going down these roads. Um, but now being in that position and having made this mistake, are are you is yeah, a it's person the condemning condemned forever yeah. to live yeah, in that mistake? Do you yeah. do you wear the scarlet letter for the rest of your life? Right. Or do you pick up, dust yourself off, figure out how to Maybe fix some of the damage, but also move. Like, what's next? I think it's the the phrasing of "I can make mistakes." Was uh, I yes. think is loose. It's, yes, it's, I mean you can really you can really hurt people. Yep, <laughs> that, can, is can, that is true. That is true. That's maybe, maybe perhaps that shouldn't qualify as a mistake. Yeah. Uh, when mistakes start to turn you evil, then they're not mistakes anymore. Yeah, right. There it is. Um, but I think that's that's correct. Like the condemnation is really what's being yeah. elevated there. It's like that's not that's not a good healthy posture. Yep. Bang. My last one is the last one, which I think this is. I I don't know why this sings and just hits my heart so well, but it just cleanly does. His affirmation is: I now affirm that life is good and unfolding in miraculous ways. Builds on the fact that not everything is yours to fix. Mm-hmm. Like that life itself is doing a great job. and Without your you, help, by yeah, the way. You didn't make those mountains. Uh-huh. You didn't make those stars. You didn't make that moon, you know, et cetera. You didn't make the face of your beloved. You didn't. There's countless things that you're yep. not responsible for. Yep. And that you get to experience with great joy and satisfaction. And being aware of that and living in those spaces is is quite freeing. It feels like when you open your hands on one side, this can be something that, you know, is replaced. Again, just a treasure to to grab hold of. Yep. Bang. That's a good place to, to wrap up. Um, love the hell out of that book. If you haven't uh, got a chance to purchase this yet, Enneagram Transformations by Don Riso. Well worth picking up and just sitting and writing down kind of focusing on some of these uh, almost uh, I mean there's like there's 25 or so for each type and so that's almost a month worth of just kind of daily reflections you memorize kind of sit in I feel like they they really have a lot of life for for those of us who want to use the Enneagram as a tool to to do some some inner work yeah and like there's a lot of space so you could use this as as a sort of journal like you could take notes on the ones that you focus on and the next time you go through it use those notes and add to them and whatever so wreck this book book. yeah boom well we got good stuff coming up this year um got some interviews coming up this year yep you and i need to do a deep dive into the instincts here at some point (laughs) It's going to be amazing. Uh, friends, it would mean the world to us if you shared this episode with somebody that you love, preferably at 891, who's just kind of 
looking for something to jump into this year. Uh, friends that you know that are Enneagram fans, share it. We would be incredibly, incredibly grateful. Uh, we continue to meet once a month, both physically and online. Uh, you can connect with us on Zoom at our website, roundthecircle.org. Aroundthecircle.org has a, uh, a link that's just to events, and you can sign up for our Zoom events there. And if you're in Colorado and want to come to uh, Greeley, Colorado, some Sunday morning at 10 a.m., um, we are meeting once a month in Greeley. Um, I'm easy to find. It's easy to find. Uh, it's at the Atlas Theater at 10 a.m. on Sunday, the fourth yep. Sunday of every month. Yep. So, but get in touch with us if you want to come so that we know that you're coming and can prepare. And uh, as always, we got two other podcasts, Movie Typing, where we do some pop culture deep dives and start here for those who want to jump into Enneagram, want to find their type, want to know what to do first. Outro music here is by the great Brian Claxton. The intro music is by The Collection. And uh, if you love this podcast, want to support us, you can always help us out on Patreon. Links for that are at aroundthecircle.org as well. So I got, you got anything else? I got nothing, man. He's CJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. And I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't isn't interesting.